This is Trainer Talk, presented by Fasig Tipton on the Horse Racing Radio, Horse Network. Racing Radio Network. Trainer Todd Fletcher has reached the stratosphere. It was all have another for Doug O'Neill. Moon over Miami for Bill Mott. 3,000 for trainer Mark Cassie. Trainer D-Way Lucas, a six win. And Bob Baffert with another incredible milestone. But it was all for Scott McGee. Win number 1,000 for the great Trevor McCarthy. Here's 2,000 for Nick Zito. Steve Asperson is now North America's all-time leading trainer. Now, here's Mike Penna. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to Trainer Talk, presented by Fasic Tipton. This, of course, the show trainers listen to, and you are listening right here on the Horse Racing Radio Network. Mike Penna, Baron of the Backstretch, happy to have you along for the ride for the next hour on Sirius 162 XM 207, streaming worldwide at horseracingradio.net, and of course, podcast on major podcast platforms each and every week. So wherever you get your podcasts, whether it be Apple Podcasts or Podbean or Google, Spotify, however you listen to your podcast, type in Horse Racing Radio Network and follow along with us here on the network every single week with all of the shows that we bring your way. Well, my guest today has truly been on fire with his runners over the past several weeks. Coming into last Saturday's Louisiana Champions Day program at the fairgrounds, he had won with six of his past ten runners. After going two for two at the Louisiana Champions, he is now eight wins from 12 starters, uh, and that's a sizzling 67% win rate, just blazing hot over the past several weeks. And if that's not enough, he gets to enjoy all of that success alongside his family. Please join me in welcoming trainer Jeff DeLome to Trainer Talk, presented by Fasic Tipton. Jeff, appreciate it. Not a problem, Mike. 67% win rate. Man, that's just, that's that's the thing dreams are made of, isn't it? Oh, it is. You know, I mean, it's it's great. It's kind of like, a, a, you know, horses are doing all the work, you know. We really don't do much other than just, you know, kind of keep them happy, but we've been blessed to have. A small stable with some really nice horses headed by two really good ones. Yeah, yeah, and touch upon a star, maybe the the true star of the stable right now. He is a back-to-back winner of the Louisiana Champions Day Classic Stakes. He did that, as I mentioned, on Saturday. He also settled Mangum to victory in the Louisiana Champions Day Sprint Stakes, so two for two. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. I mean, it, it, like I said, it's... Those horses are really nice horses that we just, you know, got lucky. We, you know, liked them as yearlings when we bought them, and they just they just matured into something that you would hope all the horses, you know, mature into. Take me back to Saturday at the fairgrounds. Put me there with you. What was the day like for you? Oh, it was a great day. You know, we had a truck full of people. Everybody went. Uh, my guys from the uh, from the training center, dad, brother, uh, close friend, owner of Cosmic Train, who was also in the feature with is a old friend of the family that uh, one of the only other outside horses we keep in our barn and a beautiful day uh my wife my two kids came jake's wife kids came and a lot of friends from hometown a lot of guys we know from uh, you know new orleans and it was just a beautiful day and i couldn't have written a better ending the way you know it happened that day the, you know I, it's funny jeff i say this a lot on various programs here on the network and when i talk to people that that are 
with their family on big days like this at the races, and they get to enjoy the highs and even the lows that come along with this sport with their family. That's a special thing, isn't it? Oh, it's yeah, it, it really is. And you know, and like my wife and my mom and and Jake's wife, they you know they put forth the effort to make it there on those big days to you know just hopefully we have a, a day like we did. And, you know, it all paid off. So, but yeah, it's it's those days are few and far between. And you know, right now it's like. Uh, Jake and I enjoy so much of every start touch upon the start makes, every start manga makes, because, you know, we know it's not forever, but we've just, you know, we've, we've had a blast these past year and a half. We've mentioned an awful lot of names in a very short time to kick off the show here. Let's kind of set the stage for people. You come from a racing background, Jeff, a racing family, if you will, going back to your grandfather, Sanders. And you mentioned your father, Jerry, who, by the way, is still training some horses. And he did run against you in that in that classic stakes with Cosmic Train. He ended up finishing third. Um, your brother, Jake DeLome, people will know him from the NFL, a Pro Bowl quarterback, um, and, and now the owner of Set Hut Racing, which is the, the stable that you trained for uh, with your brother. And that is just so cool to be able to do that. But um, it, it is, it truly is a family affair for the DeLomes, isn't it? Oh, it is. And, you know, and when you say we, my dad and I, Jerry ran against each other in classic day, we kind of just ran together, you know, said hut as a whole is like, you know, kind of overshadows everybody, me, my dad and Jake. And we, you know, we don't train against each other. The horses that are under Jerry's name, the horses that are under my name are all really under the same umbrella with, you know, Jake making all the calls because Jake is also like me, a third, you know, generation horseman. So he's not, his knowledge is just as much as all of us put together. And he, you know, he, I guess he takes of all the, I guess, conditioning, strength training, all the doctors and trainers he's seen along the way in the sports aspect, because he was a, you know, he has the experience in the, in the track and field also, you know, kind of puts it all together and, you know, just works really together, you know, with all of us, you know, because, they all, we're basically all one and the same, you know, so it's like we're not competing against each other. They just, you know, all kind of compete with each other. You know, Jeff, that's one heck of a quarterback to have running the show for Set Hut, isn't it? It is. It is. And, hey, I enjoy it. I, I much prefer taking uh, uh, taking instructions than, than giving instructions. Because I can always blame Jake if something goes bad. So I'm just yeah. I'm, I'm the I'm the ultimate yes man in the in the in the organization. Well, let's let's talk about those two horses that won on Saturday, and then we'll get into more of your family background and that history there. Um, touch upon a star. He has been the true star, back to back winner of that classic. Tell me more about him and his story. He. Uh, Jake and I have kind of almost watched him grow up uh, right down the road from where we were trained. Uh, the breeder, Colto, Keith Myers, and Ginger Myers. Uh, one of the guys, uh, Andrew Carey, it's kind of like their blood stock agent, kind of overlooks. And Andrew has become real good friends with the family. When he comes in town, look at all his clients' horses, he stays at Jake's house. And we always kind of tag along with him and go look at all the weanland yearlings because, you know, that's what we like to do. That's what we do. And we just... We kind of saw Touch Upon a Star as a weanling, saw him as a yearling. They told, you know, he went to the Dallas sale. We kind of followed him there. Not saying that he stuck out and he was the best horse, and that it was just something we thought we might like to have if we can afford him. You know, ended up buying him in the tech, in the Dallas Fort Worth sale for, I want to say, like 15000 
Uh, he yep. was always nice, you know, confirmation, really good. He just started growing and growing and growing, galloping really good, really smart. He went through a goofy stage. Then it started, you know, getting almost back to the way he looked as a year and getting all proportioned and just it just went uh, real. Jake took it real slow with him. Worked him a couple of times. Yeah, not bad. Broke him out the gates with a couple of older horses that had a little speed, and he just jumped out the gates and went to running. And Jake and I said, oh, we might have something special. And we we were trying to get his two-year-old year. Uh, I want to say the fairground season when he had his first start. I think he ran second that day, and it was kind of like a trainer's era. You know, we didn't have enough time. We were trying to catch that big purse, you know. It is what it is, ran second, kind of didn't break well because he didn't have enough experience in the gates. And, you know, from then on, the next race after that is just he exploded and it's just been a whirlwind. And he's been, you know, he's been taking everything in stride. You know, Jake's been giving him his rest that he needs in between races, not trying to kill him because he's done a whole lot more than we ever dreamed. So right now it's just pick a race, try to get to him, let him pull. He pulls out of his race, tells us when he's ready to run again, and you know Jake makes a decision on where we're going from there. And with the program, it is like it is in Louisiana. We really don't have to go out of state to you know chase any money. Yeah, the program there is really strong, isn't it? Yeah, it's great. You know, we have two opportunities to run on the Champions Day is 150,000. Premier Night at Delta, another 150. Mm-hmm. Evangelic has a couple of stakes here and there. You know. And we just, we, he has more than enough opportunity to, you know, make make the kind of money he needs to make and, you know, accomplish the things he's doing, you know, in state. Jake was kind enough to take some time for an interview with me last December. It was for our Christmas Eve program that we did here on the network. And one of the things he told me about Set Hut and his approach to the game, he said, you know, I'm all about Louisiana. I have all Louisiana breads, and I'm hoping that one day one of those Louisiana breads can be cultivated to the level where they can go out and they can compete on some of these bigger open stakes, maybe at Churchill Downs or wherever the case might be. And you mentioned Touch Upon a Star getting his shot in the Steve Sexton mile, which was at Lone Star in May. Um, Do do you see this as a horse? He's he's a gelding, Jeff. So do you see him as a horse that maybe – is that one that can start competing with, you know, open in, in greatest stakes maybe? I really do. Uh, are we going to ever try him? I, I don't know. You know, that's, that's going to be solely up to Jake. I'm satisfied in staying in Louisiana. If he wants to go out and test the waters, sure. Uh, you look at his numbers, you can kind of put him up against anybody. I mean, the guy, the horse that ran second in Champions Day, Tumbarumba, I think he ran – the Remington Derby, you know, and the graded mm-hmm. race ran second, you know, and, you know, the, I dealt, the Delta Mile, he beat the horse that ran third in the Travers, you know, so that just the farm tells you, I think he can run against those horses. Are we, I don't know. That's going to, like I said, that's solely up to Jake. I'm, I'm more than happy and satisfied on everything he's accomplished. Do I want to go out, the, out of state with him? Uh, maybe. Do I maybe want to keep him in Louisiana and, keep them really sound and run for three or four years. And when we, if we lucky enough, we can retire him and he'll have, let's say, you know, what, $2 million, the best Louisiana bread that ever ran. I don't, you know, I don't know. I don't know what's the answer, but whatever the answer is, touch upon a star is going to let us know where we go with him and the, and the decisions by Jake. 
You mentioned the $15,000 purchase price for Touch Upon a Star. He has now gone on to earn more than $618,000. He's won 10 of 13 starts. He's a winner of nine of his last 10 with his only blemish coming in that Steve Sexton mile. He has just been so, so consistent and so, so good. Jeff, what's his, his biggest strength? I think his biggest well, – I think his intelligence level is really high. You know, he does get he, – he tells you when he's ready for a race. He'll respond to Timmy, Timmy Thornton, the jockey. He tells me after every time he gets off, he said, Jeff, he knows exactly what I want when I want. The second I move my hands in a certain position is a sin. Time where he relaxes, he takes off. I think I, along with his intelligence, I think his, you know, his early speed that, you know, you run him a mile and eight, he'd get him out there and run a couple of splits, let's say 23, 47, and he can run like that all day long. You know, don't know if he's ever really been tested. Uh, Timmy says no. I mean, he did get beaten the Stexon mile. You know, that, that could have been the trip, the outside position. You know, I, I don't know. Uh, but, yeah, I don't know. He's just – he's got everything. And and I think he could probably sprint if we wanted to. I think we just – I mean, we not, I think he's just getting to be the horse that he might turn out to be. And I think – well, I hope he only gets better, but, you know, I, I don't know. He's something special. I, I've never had a big, you know, derby horse or graded horse before. He's, you know, placed in a graded race. But if I'd have to guess, I mean, it would be kind of like handling touch upon a star because I, if he's just he's super special to us. Was the feeling of winning the Champions Day Classic for the second time, the second consecutive year, was it any different than when you won it last year? Yeah, I guess a little. Just, I guess, more proud of Touch Upon a Star because, you know, in the horse racing, I mean, how often do horses stay good for that long? The last three, four, five, six starts, you look at his buyer numbers, his, you know, third graph numbers, his rag numbers, it's just, it's amazing him being consistent. I think here on every time he does it again and again and again it just makes me even you know more proud of touch upon a star but proud of the decision you know how jake's handling them also so it's like i appreciate every start because you know that and the horses you, you don't know how long they're going to stay good you know and so it's just been I, I appreciate every day that you know i get to come to the barn and you know rub up on a horse like that I remember his sire, Star Guitar, who was just brilliant. I believe he earned more than $1.7 million, won like 24 races during his career. Was it Al Stahl Jr. that trained Star Guitar? It was. Yeah, I'm it sure was, he's yes. he's probably the biggest fan for Touch Upon a Star right now, right? Next to yeah, you. He's, yeah, he's a good friend of ours, and yeah, he, he's, you know, yeah, he's a great guy. And he, he enjoys, you know, what, what he's doing. Another Louisiana guy, too. He is. He is. Yep. Yep. Talking with trainer Jeff DeLome here on Trainer Talk presented by Faisley Tipton. Fresh off of a pair of victories going two for two on Louisiana Champions Day at the fairgrounds on Saturday. Jeff, let's talk about the other victory. Mangum getting the victory in the Champions Day sprint stakes. Tell me more about that performance. Oh, that was amazing. Corey ran a great ride. I mean, I was we were watching him, you know, during the course of the race and we knew he was going to be coming you know later on in the race but the wall of horses 
Corey had to maneuver around was just it was a special ride. Yeah, I, mean, I saw him coming. I was hoping. I thought he could maybe win if he ran, you know, one of the better races, you know, of his career. Uh, right halfway down the lane, I said, "Well, it looks like we're gonna, you know, get in the mix, be in the top three. And just he exploded down, you know, at the final, you know, last eighth of a mile. It was it was crazy. Uh, Jake made the right decision to, to sprint him. You know, we his numbers pointed, told us to, you know, to run in the sprint. But it was such a light field in the classic, you know, went back and forth. And finally, Jake made the decision. It was it was the right decision. I think everybody who made decisions on Champions Day, uh, Shane Wilson ran Bohemian Star on the turf. That was a great move. Uh, Chassis DeVille decided to run free like a girl long. So And Jake decided to sprint Mangum, and everything worked out. It was a great day, I think, for everybody on Champions Day. You know, he was – he, he was struggling to win races early in his career. And not that he was being embarrassed by any by any stretch of the imagination. He had some wins, but he had some thirds. He he finished sixth in the Crescent City Derby. He was second in Louisiana Legends uh, Chevel Stakes that was at Evangeline on June 3rd. And then all of a sudden, Jeff, you get him to the Louisiana Stallion Stakes, the 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 Cotu Groves Farm Stakes, um, and that was at Evangeline on July 8th. And he just catches fire and he's won five in a row now was there was there something about that performance that maybe just made the light bulb go on for this horse you know i wish i knew i i look back at it because you can like you said you look at his numbers all of a sudden that one jump he goes from this 60 bar jumps in the 80s and just never looks back but there's nothing that we i think he did or we did different i think it was just maturing give him the opportunity and yeah he's he's just like and it's not like a light bulb came on he's still the same horse he just started maturing and running a little faster and he's you know who knows what kind of horse he can be you know he's not the biggest horse you put him next to touch upon a star you'll pick out the better one that's for sure (laughs) because the size is so much different but he's just a little grinder he's not the biggest statue horse but he's you know confirmation is, is is really nice He's real athletic. We had him in the round pin this morning, giving him a little rest, and he was jumping and kicking. And, I mean, the leaps that he was taking in the round pin, it was like, oh, my goodness, he's such a good little athlete. I'm anxious to see, you know, the, the next couple of races because he's just maturing into something really special also. Yeah, he's a very, very tough horse, and uh, he's now earned $315,000 in his career, which is still developing. And that's, you know, that's one of the cool things, too, isn't it, to be able to watch these horses grow into themselves if you will yeah it's it's really good and also i guess with us i mean all the horses that jake has and you know that we have in our barn they're all bought by jake in the yearling sales so and i don't have to tell people in the horse business it's hard to work a yearling sale you're looking at horse after horse after horse picking what you like putting a price on it knowing okay we can't go over this this one's going to go around here and just eliminating, going through the vet work. And it just makes you makes us appreciate it even more because everything we have in the barn, that's all that, you know, it took hard work from Jake, myself, and Dad, all agreeing, finding what we liked in a horse that we could afford and, you know, knowing that we handpicked each and every one of these horses in our stall. That yep. makes it, you know, I think a little special. Yep. When you're looking at young horses at the sale, Jeff, or, or Jake goes out there with the team and they're looking – what are some of the key attributes you're hoping to see in a young horse before you write the check? Uh, you know, my dad has 
really good eye for a horse. I, I think maybe hopefully I got some of that. You know, I know Jake got some of that, but I guess, you know, the confirmation, you know, it's just like looking at an athlete, you know, you're looking at a track guy walk or you look at a, one of the wide receivers on the fin of the NFL, you know, just that long, smooth walk, you know, with the, you know, the body style that looks, you know, the correct, you know, the right angles. And it's just, I guess it's mostly just looking at how, how it moves, you know, can you picture how he's going to grow, how he's going to mature. But just, I think the main thing is that, that big, pretty walk, you know, that long walk where they overlap, you know, their own stride and just, I guess that's the main thing we look for, just to try to find the athlete out of the bunch. Is that what they mean when trainers and bloodstock agents talk about looking for athletes? Yeah, you know, I guess we've, I know I've changed a little bit looking at, because I've always, you know, been through the sales whenever my dad was in the quarter horses and I always looked at the page, you know, to see the pedigree and yeah, you have to use that, but the old I've gotten, the more sales Jake and I go go through, you got to look for the individual. You got to look for the one that say, oh, let's go look at that one. Look, look at his, how you know confident his walk is. You know, he's really smart in the back ring. Nothing spooks him. So, but then again, I don't have to tell you, it's so much more than just picking a good athlete. It takes so much luck because you know everybody. There's no advantage in the horse business. Everybody knows what to look for. Everybody knows what a good athlete is. You can read a page. It just takes so much luck, you know, with it, you know, and you got to go through the numbers before maybe you, you know, finally get a decent horse. What would you say is the the one horse that you've gotten, other than touch upon a star, of course, he's an obvious answer, but the one horse that you've gotten the most lucky with and what I mean by that Jeff not necessarily the horse that went on to win the most money or or most races but a horse that you know you took a shot on at the sale and you said boy if we're right this horse can be pretty pretty good and they it it turned out that you got pretty lucky and they turned out to be okay well I guess you know there's horses we bought in the past that I could pick but the one most recent I mean a mangum uh yeah uh, the guy we bought him from Jay Adcock he was on the farm he was already sold off the farm, and we go every once in a while to Jad Cox. We drove up there, and we were looking at the ones that were for sale. And Mang was in one of the paddocks. Said, you know, Jake asked, "Well, is this one for sale?" And he said, "Just so happened, you know, he was so early. The deal went through, and you know, Jake ended up buying Mangum off of Adcox Farm for ten thousand dollars. And and he looked good. Don't get me wrong." but he just turned into something really special. So I, I think that was a big, you know, a, a lucky hit for us. You know, it just so happened, you know, he came up for sale at the right time, and we were at Jackcock's farm at the right time, and, you know, yeah, it worked out. I would probably I would probably have to pick, you know, him or touch upon a star because, you know, at that sale, maybe nobody was looking for a star guitar. Maybe if he was in Louisiana, it would have went for a little more than 15000 Maybe, you know, it would have gone out of our price range. So I guess I, I have to say touch upon a star and Mangum on every question you would ask because those are <laughs> the two nicest horses we've ever had. You know, we've yeah. had a couple other nice ones, but, you know, in the moment, I, I have to say those two, you know. And, and they're, they're the two current stars of the stable. Do you think that that <laughs> exactly. speaks to the overall philosophy and the commitment that your brother Jake and the family have shown to their you know, to this game over the years. I mean, it's it's finally coming together, if you will, um, at, at this time. That's no that's no accident. No, it's it's not. It, it, it takes a lot of luck, but like you said, it takes 
being consistent and keep on doing the same thing, what you think is right. And it just makes, I know Jake, myself and my dad, proud that, you know, hey, our hard work, our consistency's paid off. You know, I guess we are going in the right direction on how to pick a horse because you need a little luck for it all to work out. And just so happens it's working out really good right now. How many horses does Set Hut have in training right now? Uh, we have uh, eight horses in training at the barn right now at Copper Ground. It's a training facility in Opelousas, Louisiana. And uh, that's we try to stay between eight and 12. That's kind of like where our sweet spot is, you know. We try to run more in the winter months with Delta and Fairgrounds having, you know, the better purse money. And we kind of regroup and get the two-year-olds ready during the summer to have a big, you know, fall and winter. That small boutique approach to the family business has been something that has, you mentioned your third generation, that goes back to your grandfather Sanders, doesn't it? It does, it does. And, uh, you know, we've had opportunities to maybe get a little, you know, outside horses, but it's just this is a number we can handle. You know, we don't have to get any outside help other than the couple of grooms we have. You know, I'm able to go run the horses along with Daddy and Jake, or if I can't, you know, somebody else can do. We don't have to, you know, hire a truck out to go, you know, across the state or out the state to run. We can. That's a number we can handle, and I don't think we want to get any bigger than that because, you know, it, it makes it fun. You know, I think a little too much, too, too many more would make it probably more of a, a stressful, uh, stressful workplace. Are you the type of trainer, Jeff, that likes to? walk down the shed row and get your hands on on every horse every day oh yeah jake and i and daddy we saddle everything every morning walk to the track lead them to the track lead them back uh probably the only thing we don't do now is clean the stalls and uh you know the we got the guys that do that but we get we try to give them up off on sundays and jake and i and dad will come do the work on sunday mornings to give everybody a day off when we can but yeah we we're hands on like i said we'll touch everything we'll go over everything you know and we and do both most of the time we do our run, own running of the horses too, you know. So yeah, we we kind of we kind of in the stall every morning with them and knowing what's kind of stay on top of things. Well, you don't get to clean the stalls now, but there was a time when you and your brother were out there cleaning stalls every day. He told me that in that interview in December as well. He was talking about the fact that growing up he played sports. He didn't hunt, he didn't fish, he didn't golf, but he did play those other sports. And he said I would do that. And he, as he put it, quote, unquote, he said, we would shovel poop. And that's what we did every day. We would clean the stalls. And that's, you know, that's how you get hooked, right, from the ground up. Oh, no, it, exactly. You know, I still uh, I make a joke out of it whenever my friends say, you know, ask me, you know, what I do for a living. I said, well, I have two bosses. I said, my brother and my wife. My wife is the owner <laughs> of a small animal clinic. I said, I clean up horse poop in the morning and dog poop in the afternoon. <laughs> Yeah, it's brilliant, right? It's it's incredible. It is. It, we started off talking about the family aspect. It is really cool that you get to do this and that the whole family is doing this together. Um, outside of, of you and your brother and your dad, were, were any of the other family members really hooked on horse racing from an early age? As far as going to the horse racing, watching the races, matter of fact, what I, I call my uncle, Jack Dale, which is a cousin of my dad's, a cousin of mine, He's a little older than my dad, and I want. He's been going to Rio Dosa for the All American Futurity since before I was born. 
because my grandfather would go out there a lot every year, the All-American Trials. He still does it to this day. They'll take off, drive to Rio Dosa, watch the trials, and come on back. So I would think him and his son Casey are probably most, you know, most involved in the races. But as far as for family members other than just Jake and I and Dad that are hands-on, not many. A couple of cousins that breed, a couple of thoroughbreds here and there, you know, uh, had a horseshoe in the family at one time. Uh, sprinkled here and there, but mostly, you know, Jake, I, and Daddy. Did you spend much time with quarter horses, Jeff? I, we did. Probably, yeah. uh, I want to say when I, I got out of college in the the early 90s, I was I probably bought the first thoroughbred. Uh, I bought a flying paster mare, and uh, we kind of gave it to Dad. Dad started training, and that was the first thoroughbred, kind of like in the barn that we had. And slowly from there, we started you know, buying a little more, a little more, a little more until we were out all the quarter horses all together. But, yeah, I enjoyed the quarter horses. I, I love watching quarter horse races. I, I prefer thoroughbreds now, but that's something I still enjoy, you know. Yeah, and he's doing one heck of a job with his thoroughbreds now. This is Jeff DeLome joining me here on Trainer Talk presented by Fazek Tipton. Jeff, stay with me. We're going to get to a short commercial break. We'll come back and talk more about that family history, and we'll talk about your grandfather and even the fact that he was a, a bit of a movie star for a very short period of time. We'll talk about that next here on Trainer Talk presented by Fazek Tipton on the Horse Racing Radio Network. Fazek Tipton's Kentucky Winter Mix Sale is a hot market. Scheduled for February 5th and 6th in Lexington, Kentucky, it is the last mix sale before the start of breeding season and annually provides sellers with quality results. Entries are still open. The 2024 Fazek Tipton Kentucky Winter Mix Sale. Enter now at fazektipton.com. Horse of the Year candidate, Elite Power. Jackie's Warrior makes his move on the outside. Elite Power on the far outside, and Elite Power gets up to win the sprint. Elite Power is moving clear and going to take the rear dirt sprint by a widening margin. Five, five, all defeating at 875 down or down. Nine, 900, and 900 pounds. Elite Power to the front, but Elite Power gets it again in the Breeders' Cup sprint. Standing at Judmont. There are plenty of thrills at Gulfstream Park with live thoroughbred action Friday through Sunday and simulcasting seven days a week. Join us on track for weekend stakes races and make plans for opening day of the championship meet on Friday, December 1st. Dine trackside in 10 Palms with an elevated view of the track and grab a cool cocktail in the Carousel Club. For reservations, tickets, and more, head to GulfstreamPark.com. Well, Fazig's family, basically. Some of the guys that work here I've known for 30 years. I just felt really supported and they're, they're great communicators. They try to help in whatever you do. Fazig Tiptons has a sale for every market, every segment in the industry. There's multiple opportunities where you're gonna have plenty of good buying and selling situations. Great customer service. I'm not only a buyer with them, but I'm a seller, and I've always been well taken care of. There's a lot of different things that sometimes you need at a sale, and Fazek Tipton is there every step of the way. They show year after year that they're ethical, and they're fair, and they enjoy what they do. 
But when you're around people that have a combination of all those things, you know, you can't lose. This is Trainer Talk, presented by Fasig Tipton on the Horse Racing Radio Network. Touch upon a star in front for Tim Thornton at the quarter pole. Dumbarumba second. Well back. Bayou Jam and finally Cosmic Train. Last to make the top of a fairground stretch. Touch upon a star. Leads Tumbarumba now by three with one furlong to go. Tim took a peek back and touch upon a star has widened to a four-length lead. Tumbarumba second, well clear. They're coming up toward the line. Touch upon a star. Tumbarumba chased throughout. Touch upon a star. Tumbarumba. The Louisiana Champions Day Classic. One, two. Cosmic Train and Bayou Jam was last to the four. 150.12. Touch upon a star. Wire to wire. That's the way it sounded last Saturday at the fairgrounds. John Dooley with the call of the Louisiana Champions Day Classic Stakes. Going to touch upon a star for Set Hut Racing and trainer Jeff Delone for the second consecutive year. And what a performance that was. He continues to just get better and better and better. And we talked a lot about touch upon a star in the first half of the program. If you are just joining us and you did miss any part of the show, you know what to do. Head back to the website, horseracingradio.net. You can listen to all of our podcasts whenever you get some time, and you can do that on every podcast platform. And don't forget, too, to follow us on social media, at HRRN on Twitter, Horse Racing Radio Network on Facebook, and on Instagram and on YouTube. Uh, and follow along with all of the information and all the guests that we're going to bring your way each and every week throughout the year. Well, Jeff, as you were listening to that call, what was going through your mind? No, just that John Dooley can make an awesome call. I love listening to him. I love the fairgrounds commentator. It just—he's great. Yeah, he is great. I love it. Uh, yeah, it just chills. You know, just listening to—it makes me think it. You know, listening to Tim Thornton's name about you know how he, he walks me through the ride and tells me you know what was said amongst the riders and what every step of the way when he shifts his hands. It just yeah, it just so flooding with memories. You know, or just yeah. excitement. Tim Thornton is a a jockey that I don't think often gets the credit he deserves. He's had a lot of success in his career. He's won almost uh, 2,900 races. He's won 123 uh, this year alone. Tell me a little bit more about Tim Thornton. Well, I met uh, Tim Thornton through uh, our, uh, his agent, uh, Anthony Martin, little Tony, we call him good friend of the family. He's a good friend of Jake and I's. And we kind of, we use him to kind of handle all, all our business. Even if we don't use his riders, we like to use his riders, but even now he just handles everything for us. You know, he's just been a close friend of the family and he, you know, he has Timmy and we started using Timmy and, you know, he's basically doesn't really make many mistakes when you put him on the horse. He'll, you know, we'll give him minimal extra instructions because he's a really smart rider. And, you know, the feedback we get from Timmy is, you know, helps us out tremendously, you know, communicate this we like to use that we like to you know make relationships with jockeys and agents just so you know they feel comfortable on our horse we can talk to them you know that nobody's feeding anybody a line of bs you know so but he's been you know yeah he's been a great to get get to know and i think he's had a great career yep and it certainly makes this ride more enjoyable going through it with people like that too as part of your team and speaking of teams 
Jake DeLome, the owner of Set Hut Racing and the brother of special guest here, Jeff DeLome, who joins me on Trainer Talk, took time to join me last December for our Christmas Eve program. And I asked Jake what he loved most about being part of racing. And, and Jeff, here's what he had to say. I think for me, it gives me that competitive void um, that I think you miss from playing um, in the NFL or playing sports. I um, There's just something about it. It's so difficult. And I, when I try to explain to my friends who I played in the NFL with and things like that, it's that if you're successful as an owner, let's say, or a trainer, 20% of the time, you win 20% of the time, you're pretty darn successful. Well, find a quarterback that wins 20% of his games. Yeah, you're not, you're not playing. You're, you're cut. You know, yep. it's, uh, it's, it's hard. It's difficult. And I think that's what I enjoy so much about it. I, I love the, the yearling sales. I love the, the breeding aspect of it. I love looking at, you know, these young prospects, watching them and kind of envision what they're going to be when they grow older and, and then what works, what doesn't work. I just, just everything about it. But I think the biggest thing is the competition aspect. That's the thing that really drives me. I love to compete. And like everybody in this game, you love to win. And uh, this game can humble you like no other. Um, and you're always learning. You're constantly learning. And that's just something about it. It's, a, it's, it's my drug of choice, and, and I, I certainly love it. Jeff, are you as competitive as Jake? Uh, you know, I think maybe as a younger man I was. Uh, I, I don't know if I, I still am. I don't think I am as much as Jake. Uh, but then again, it's almost – I've basically almost lived – my life through Jake, you know, when I, when I finished college, you know, sure. I, I was, my, my goal was to maybe go play in the NFL a little bit, had a, a bad injury where I never had the opportunity to try not saying I could have done it. But from there, I just went to watch Jake play in college because he's five years younger than me and then followed him in the pros. And then he gave me the opportunity to work for him with the horses. So I guess I just, I'm all, I kind of, like I said, I just hung on to his coattails and he's, drug me around and i've had a great career enjoying watching him it's almost i've lived almost his life you know in the shadows of his life and you know i feel like all of his accomplishments are things that i've felt so i don't think i'm as competitive he is but yes i'm still competitive and i i enjoy the hard work like jake does and i i put it this way I wish he was my older brother because I could have learned a whole lot faster in life <laughs> watching the way he, his work ethic is and stuff like that. And I've learned a lot from him, you know, being being an older brother. Well, baby brother has taken you on quite a ride. And that NFL career was outstanding. Got to play in the Super Bowl, Pro Bowler, all of those things that, that came his way because of all of his hard work and his dedication. Jeff, what are some of your most, uh, I guess, your fondest memories of Jake's football career i would think uh in college foremost uh he went to U- ul uh usl was called back then they beat uh, a ranked texas a&m team at the cajun field and remember jumping on the field with all the student section tearing down the goal post and bringing it out of the stadium that was great uh i remember the nfc championship game when he played in philadelphia uh me and a good friend of mine we flew because Jake didn't want anybody flying because he heard stories about the fans, but he wasn't stopping me to go. So me and my buddy went, and uh, after the game, you know, ended up winning. And I'm going through the stands, and the and the 
crowd, the people were terrible over there, like really ugly. And I'm picking up posters, going me Jake in the locker room after. And I guarantee you I had like at least five posters had Jake DeLome sucks all over. And I had them all wrapped up on my arm. And after we kind of celebrated outside the uh, Philadelphia Stadium, it was just, it was a blast. We went to Seattle for the other NFC Championship game, just the Super Bowl, it just, it's just been a wild ride. And I just, I can't thank him enough, uh, you know, bringing, bringing me along for the ride. Yeah. You, you know, I was, I was disappointed in the Super Bowl, and that was in 2004 when the Panthers faced off against the New England Patriots. And Patriots won 32-29. to But as a lifelong Pittsburgh Steeler fan, I was cheering for Carolina. I did not want New England to win that game in any form or fashion. And, and man, what a, what a game that was, though, huh? Oh, it was crazy. I could see we were in a suite on the top of Reliance Stadium, and in the corner they had this red Cadillac convertible. That's what the MVP was getting after the game. And, look, we were up not much longer. I said, oh, Jake's going to win MVP. I'm going to church in that Cadillac Sunday morning. (laughs) So we ended up losing, and everybody's, you know, crying. We go pick up Jake in the little bus after – and everybody, nobody's saying anything. Everybody's scared to just say anything, you know, to hurt Jake's feelings over there. And he walks in. I said, Jake, I could have been driving that Cadillac if Casey wouldn't have kicked it out of bounds. <laughs> you know, kind of everybody kind of started laughing there. But guy, it was a, it was a great experience. Are there are there things that Jake brought to the? football field maybe from a competitive standpoint we talked about how he's very competitive we heard him say that in the soundbite a short time ago but Jeff are there things that that he did on the football field that you see him using those same skills now that he's involved with running a stable in in set hut uh maybe maybe not on the field but Mm -hmm. the amount of time he put in the film room getting prepared for the NFL games and how much time he put in his playbook. He puts that kind of time and effort into watching races, all races, studying pedigree, studying sale books, and still does kind of balances it between still watching football film because he calls all the Carolina games, like scouting the opposing team. He puts that much effort into the horses. So anything that he's accomplished right now with the horses, it's well worth it. And it's yes, it's luck, but a whole lot of hard work goes into what he's doing, buying these horses and training these horses. Yep, yeah, no doubt about it. Jeff Delone with me here on Trainer Talk, presented by Faisal Tipton. Jeff, the other thing that Jake mentioned in that soundbite was, if you're a trainer and you're winning at a twenty percent clip, you're doing pretty good in this game. But if you're a quarterback and you're only winning at twenty percent, you're cut. You're out of the league. You're winning here in twenty twenty three. At a thirty-six percent rate, that's remarkable. I think I think your job is safe, Jeff. <laughs> well, I think for the near future, as long as Texas Bonus and Mangum are running like that, I think it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. How do you deal with the times though when things aren't going as well? Oh, uh, I guess you know things are going to happen bad in the horses. I mean, we know that. I mean, last what last Champions Day? Sure, we won. Champions Day, the classic, but we had a two-year-old that broke down first time out in our earlier race, a horse that we went out and spent more money than we've ever spent before that we thought was going to be every bit as good as Touch Upon a Star. And that was just like from just the worst to the worst, 
yes, winning the classic, but those things happen to horse racing. And, you know, I, it, you get down on it, but I guess it's like Jake throwing an interception, you know. You still got to try to throw a touchdown after the interception, you know, so it's no use crying over spilled milk. Let's try to fix the problem where we go wrong and, you know, try again. Yeah, yeah. I remember Jake telling me that he's the, the baby of the family. He's one of 21 grandchildren. Is that right? Yeah, like the youngest of 20-something. Yeah, <laughs> it, might, it might be a little more than 21. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, well, we, that, he, he, That's a big stable. Sure, yes, that is a big stable. And we all picked on him really good when he was young. <laughs> well, we, we talked about this early in the program, but let's get back to it. We talked about your family history and going back to your grandfather, Sanders, and your your dad, uh, who was also a trainer, Jerry. Your mother, Marsha, is involved. Um, tell, me, tell me more about that family history and, and start with your grandfather, if you would. My grandfather, uh, you know, he trained quarter horses. Uh, he, uh, he had a lot of property, cattle, you know, and stuff I had to remember, you know, big family. He had, like I said, a, a cattle farm and uh, I say a cattle farm, probably 50, 60, you know, mama cows. We spent a lot of time at the camp. Uh, he would run mostly at the bush tracks, not much recognized r- racing. And, you know, from then, you know, like I said, daddy started training also. My daddy, you know, rode as a jockey on the bush tracks for my grandfather. Then daddy was training quarter horses, you know, and uh, trained for a few people. Not 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 a big stable, always from behind the house, you know, a few uh, stalls in the barn, you know. Uh, I did a lot of galloping when I was a kid, broke a lot of the horses. Uh, like I said, and bought our first thoroughbred in the 90s and kind of go from, went from there, you know. A lot of uh, a lot of you know Jake's competitive juices come from my mom. Also, she was a uh, one of uh, I think they have six sisters in the family, all you know sports oriented. You know, played sports. She was aggressive, good basketball player. The you know all the girls you know played the sports. Uh, but that's you know, but always you know always did the horses and always played sports. So it's you know, it was one of the two. Like Jake said, we don't really hunt and fish or do anything other than play sports and you know and run racehorses and <laughs> what a what a charmed does, life does, it, yeah oh no it's perfect and like i said my my wife's a veterinarian met her through the horses then she opened up we opened a small animal clinic right in my backyard so we walk across the backyard to go to the office you know and so yeah everything is perfect we you know i love my life that's for sure i mentioned that your grandfather appeared in a a horse racing movie casey's shadow and uh, he actually had a speaking role in there. And, and if I recall, he served Walter Matthau a Budweiser in the movie. Is that right? I, th- I think it was a Budweiser. Him and Walter <laughs> Matthau played cards at the bar in Karen Crow uh, Bush Track. And I think most of his lines were him speaking Cajun French to Wal- Walter Matthau. Yeah. Matter of fact, they, for filming that part, they drove to Brobridge, where we're from, and he was bailing the hay that, that day. And he would not leave until all the hay was bailed, and they put it in the barn in the loft before he even go to, before he would even leave to take the sport. Matter of fact, the producer, the director, whatever he called, said, "Look, I'll just buy the hay right now. Look, we need to go." He goes, "I, you cannot buy this hay from me. I'm gonna get it in the barn, then I'll beat y'all over there after." So, yeah, he was he was from a, yeah he was one of a kind. 
I love it. I love it. And your dad, Jerry, uh, I, I mentioned, and you talked about it earlier, he is a trainer, uh, 124 wins to his credit. He's 5 for 24 here in uh, 2023, according to Equibase. And, and uh, you know, somebody who is, I, I guess you would, he describes himself as, as the sire, right, of, of both you and Jake and, and all the kids. But um, he is the glue that holds this whole thing together, isn't he? Oh, definitely. Jake and I have learned so much from him. You know, uh, you know, we we could never do the things that we've done right now without him being a big, big part of our lives and showing us, you know, the right way to, you know, do things, you know, the, the hard work. And, you know, with the combination of him and my mama, you know, the way they wor- work, the way they, you know, their faith and, you know, just the, the, the right way to do things. You know, we would, Jake and I would have never accomplished the things we've accomplished without, you know, mom and dad. Were they ever involved in anything other than horse racing? My my dad uh, retired from the state, so he had you know he worked for forty years with state and the uh, okay. meat inspection department. So, but he we, the horses were always in. But other than that, no, just the horses and followed Jake and I playing sports. That that's it. How about you, Jeff? Did you ever do anything outside of horses? Uh, I did. Yeah, I I had I worked in the oil field a little bit. Uh, did a little painting, residential and commercial painting, and uh, it wasn't until. Uh, Jake left the Saints and signed with Carolina until we, he asked if, you know, if I wanted to do the horses full time in the early 2000s. And we kind of agreed upon it and said, hey, we'll give it a try. If it works, we'll stay doing it. So in probably 2003, that's when I just started doing the horses, you know, full time. And it's been, you know, not bad the whole time. You know, it hasn't been great the whole time, but, you know, we kept our head above water and we kind of, you know, doing really good right now so it's, it's it's all worked out you know like i said i can't thank jake enough for giving me you know be able to you know work with him and daddy you know every morning and it's been great doing something that i love to do yeah that passion that dedication being rewarded right now for my special guest here on trainer talk presented by phasic tipton that is jeff delome as he trains for his brother's set hut racing stable and they are truly on a roll uh, jeff we talked about a couple of the the big names in the stable right now would touch upon a star and Mangum. Who are some of the other horses that, that you'll never forget that have helped get you to this point? Oh, we had a, a, a mayor by the name of forest Lake that, uh, he, Jake, I, wanna, I can't remember the date, but we bought the mayor from Andrew Carey. I think it was there at Hill he was at Hillendale at the time. Yep. And she was, a. Uh, she was a, I can't remember the exact breed, but she was a forestry, uh, forest lake. She made four or 500,000 forests, so like one of the first big stakes winning horses that Jake really bred. Uh, that was one of them that, you know, definitely we, as a matter of fact, we have a honor AP yearling that Pat, Pat Huffman's breaking right now that we should get probably here in the next couple of months. So it'll be the first one of her offsprings that we start training on. Uh, we bought, uh, a horse by the name of Woozy in a sale in Shreveport that uh, we didn't pay much for him, like 7500 won the uh, DS Sean Young, which is a big fraternity over here in Opelousas at Evangeline Downs, and that was super special. You know, he was a, a good return on money and just uh, a handful of older horses. A matter of fact, the first horse that I ever bought, that flying pace to me, right when I got out of college in the early 90s, uh, the the owner of Cosmic Train, Delaney Kale, which is one of my dad's best friends, we went in half on. We paid five hundred dollars for it, and 
I want to say we ended up winning 10 races with her. It was probably the first thoroughbred that kind of opened the door where we just started buying thoroughbreds from after her. But it's been uh, – we've had a, a lot of horses, a lot of good horses, but also a lot of bad horses, you know. But it's, it's all been fun, that's for sure. It is very difficult to pick out horses and have every single one be good. Everybody gets those horses, uh, no matter how big their stable is, that just don't pan out. And I think it's like that with you know with life, right, and other oh. other sports. When you talk about athletes, some people make it like your brother. Some people don't make it, and it's just the way it you know the way this world works. Uh, you mentioned the name Pat Huffman, the brother of Ben Huffman, who was the racing secretary at Churchill Downs and at Keeneland. And you said Pat breaks some of your horses. Does he break all of your horses for you? No, just just uh, just so happened this one. Uh, Jake sent it, Jake sent this one to him. It was you know in Kentucky, but uh, he's had had uh, one or two fours in the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and and you know people don't realize the amount of work and time and effort that goes into just getting a horse to the races, and it starts. Well, it starts in the sales ring, but then you have to have somebody that can break them and you have to have somebody that can teach them early on. Talk about that. Talk about the road that it takes to get a horse to the starting gate. Oh, yeah, it's it's it takes. I mean, from we get like I said, we don't we breed some of them, but we mostly buy in the yearling stage and uh from the yearling sales, we normally send them straight to get broke and I guess we probably Leave him a little longer than most people. We'll we'll let the guy that uh, Daryl Clavel breaks most of our horses. Uh, Al Pike also uh, has breaking some of our horses, and they'll stay two three months at, at the minimum. Then they're going out for a while, and then from there, kind of pointing them to okay, where would we like to run them? Which track would they like? Then getting them legged up again, hopefully sound. And then start getting them ready to the races, and you know if it all works out. I mean, you're looking at at least a year, you know, from when you buy them as a yearling. So it's, it, it takes forever, you know. It's just it's just to have horses kind of ready to run all the time, so you never really have a, a lapse, and where at least you're running some, and while the other ones are getting ready, you know. But it's mm-hmm. a it's a long drawn out effort, you know. But it's worth it. Well, that's where it's nice having doing this with your brother and for your brother, if you will. Um, and I know you do it as, as kind of a team, but it, it's nice to have that that person involved that understands the process as opposed to always having to educate new owners that come into the game and tell them, hey, you know, there's a chance. You, you write this check now at the yearling sale. You're talking about a, another year before we see this horse on the racetrack, and that's a long time to wait for any kind of a return on investment. Oh no, definitely, and that's why it's it's awesome having Jake there because yeah. he understands. You know, he can sit on that checkbook. You know, when you buy, because he understands what it takes. Because it will make no sense to try to hurry up and make your money back if you're only going to run a horse into the ground and injure him where he can never make any money. So yeah, it, it makes it makes it the job a whole lot easier for I mean all of us, Jake, Daddy, and myself, just because we understand the process. We know we're not going to see in return investments for a long, long time, if we ever do. Jeff, we're coming down to the wire here on this week's edition of Trainer Talk, presented by Fasic Tipton. Uh, just about four minutes or so left in the program, and I love to wrap up these shows by asking trainers to let me know something about them that we haven't talked about yet. So when Jeff DeLome does get 
a little time away from the racetrack? I know you don't hunt. I know you don't fish. What things do you enjoy doing? Well, I live close to a big wooded area. Uh, you know, we live out in the, you know, in the country. And my little boy and my little girl, we have a golf cart, a couple of dogs. We stay in the woods in the afternoon from riding in trails just to kind of playing around, walking around. We do do some hunting, but it's just an afternoon with the kids. I, you know, basically, I do the horses and hang out with the kids in the afternoon, and I guess that's what I like to do because, you know, they they really cool. They're really fun, and, you know, we have me and my wife and the kids really love hanging out, out with each other. So that I guess that's what I do, you know, just hang out with the kids. How old are your children? Uh, James is nine and Jessica is five, and I have some older kids that are grown up and out the uh, – out the house and a, and a couple of grandchildren. Uh, future horse trainers or no? My son says he wants to be a truck driver and a horse trainer. Don't know if my wife wants that, but that's what he says as of now. <laughs> I love it. He doesn't want to be a quarterback. Uh, oh no, he he wants to do a lot of things. He said once he joins the army and plays professional football, he's going to be a horse trainer. You know, like us. So that's that's his plan. <laughs> Did you ever put on any of uh, Uncle Jake's games and and let him watch them? Oh yeah, he's just enamored by it because he's just kind of realizing he's just nine right there. And when he comes on, he's kind of realizing now what kind of big deal Jake was. And when the Super Bowls play during Super Bowl time, we'll put it on and he'll watch it. And he just he loves it. Yeah, he so loves cool. telling people about his Uncle Jake, that's for sure. <laughs> well, it's so cool. So many great stories to tell. And, Jeff, you have been very gracious with your time here on the show today to talk about your story and the horses that have touched your life. And uh, I know that there are bigger and better things still to come, my friend, and I really, really appreciate you taking the time here. And all the best going forward to you, to Jake, to your dad, the entire family, and a very happy holidays, too. Thanks, you too. I enjoyed it. All right, that is trainer Jeff DeLome here on Trainer Talk, presented by Fazek Tipton. If you did miss any portion of this conversation, and it was a good one, head back to our website, horseracingradio.net. You can listen to the podcast whenever you get a little bit of time, and you can do that on every podcast platform as well. And don't forget, when you're on our website, horseracingradio.net, to subscribe to our weekly email newsletters that we send out twice a week to keep you in the loop on what's coming up with guests and programming and special events here on the horse racing radio network. Yeah, that was fun. That was really fun. And to hear him hear Jeff tell those stories about being, being with his brother at the NFC championships and uh, throughout his college career, watching him play. And you kind of, he kind of described him as being a, a bit of a, uh, his idol, if you will, even though he's his younger brother. Um, it it kind of had that tone to it, and I know he's very proud of everything that Jake has accomplished, and now they're doing it together on the racetrack, which is a really, really neat thing. So congratulations to them for putting it all together and, and keeping it rolling. My thanks to my producer, Lee Delapina, in our Lexington studio for taking care of all of the programming needs for you here this this afternoon and my thanks to each and every one of you for tuning in to training trainer talk not just today but each and every week throughout the year we'll talk to you next week on trainer talk presented by facing tipton i'm mike penna thanks for listening